Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. It is great to see you all. Um, this is Tuesday. This is today is Tuesday, August 3rd, and we're going to be exploring the third reading of the Torah portion of Re'e. So without further ado, hold on. Okay, maybe a slight ado, much ado about nothing. We are going to, I'm going to share my screen and get rolling. Give me a second. Oh. Let's welcome Ray back. Ray, are you back in? Hey. Welcome back. Okay, don't worry, you didn't miss much. I just opened my screen to the third reading. Okay, let's, let's jump in and let's do this. This is Deuteronomy chapter number 12, verse 29. Here we go. Party starts now. When the Lord your God cuts off the nations to which you will come to drive them out from before you, and when you drive them out and dwell in their land, Okay, so let me just unpack that. So when God does his F, makes his effort to cut off the nations from their energy source or whatever they have to strengthen their position. So God weakens the nations and then you drive them out and then you'll dwell in their land because again, Moses is speaking shortly before his passing, his death, to the people who will be doing this. So when that happens, Moses tells the people, beware, lest you be attracted after them. After them is maybe a weird phrase, but don't be attracted to them after they're exterminated from before you and lest, beware, lest you inquire about their God saying, how did these nations serve their gods? And I will do likewise. So don't be, it's interesting. I was about to say the word curious, but curiosity, we usually assume with, with good, like curiosity is good. It's good to ask questions. It's good to explore. But what we see here is Moses saying, yeah, 99% of the time, it's good to be curious. It's good to explore. It's good to try new things, but not when we're talking about idolatry. That's where we draw the line. That's where we should not be Curious, oh, I wonder how they worship their gods. I wonder what they do. I wonder if I should maybe give it a go and, and you know, take it, take it for a spin. That's not the right approach. Verse 31, Moses concludes this um, warning or whatever by saying, you shall not do so to the Lord your God. Don't be curious about other forms of worship and try them. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they do to their gods. Very interesting. Every abomination to the Lord, which he hates, they do to their gods. In other words, their form of worship is antithetical to what God wants. And he gives one example. For also their sons and their daughters, they would burn in fire to their gods. Human sacrifice, child sacrifice. Now, you don't, listen, if you want historical documentation of this, you don't need to only rely on the Torah or on Moses. This was Moses speaking to the people. You don't need to only rely on Moses. You can open up the history books. You can open up books of, uh, of, of ancient cultures. And you can see what they did. I mean, somebody just came back from Mexico. Anybody been to Mexico? 
Mexico? Okay. And I don't remember where in Mexico, but there was one of the Aztec? Was the Aztec, uh, were the Aztecs in Mexico? Do I have the right? Yes, Aztecs? Okay. They went to an Aztec temple. Chichen Itza is one of the big, yeah, they have historic, like, spiritual worship sites, like, of rocks. Chichen Itza is one of them. But do they have, like, is that the one where they have, like, the thing with, like, a lot of stairs, like, the temples? Okay. So that, that probably that's, so I didn't, I didn't just go there, but somebody that, you know, that comes to it. Nice. But somebody was just there like two weeks ago. And she says, she spoke by the Kiddush, uh, like right after she got back on Shabbos, after the services. And she said, you know, she's going with her friends. They were checking out the sites and whatever. And she does a little digging or maybe, the, not, not physical, but like a little exploration. And, or that maybe the tour guide mentioned that there were temples that part of the worship was pushing people off the, down the stairs or off the roof or whatever, down the, down the cliffs, they would be doing like human worship. And then they, they didn't realize because the bodies went to the water and then it poisoned them. Kaput. That's how ultimately they died out or something. I, listen, I'm just telling you what was reported back to me. So your mileage may vary depending on your tour guide. But she was like, this is super creepy that we're in a place where the modality of worship was essentially human sacrifice and perhaps even child sacrifice. What I'm trying to say is simple, simply this. Moses tells his people right before his passing, don't be curious to wonder, well, how do they serve their gods? I wonder if we should try it. It's steeped in abominable practices. It's steeped in horrific practice, human sacrifice, ugliness. I mean, it's worse than ugliness. Right? It's like, it's, 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 it's horrific. And don't, don't be, you know, all running after that and say, well, how did they do it? Let's, let's do what they did. We don't need to be doing that. Okay. So that's, that kind of uh, close out that, th this chapter, chapter 12. Let me see if there's any Rashi's over here. Um, okay, here we go. Beware, lest you be attracted after them. After they are exterminated from before you. So God says, I, this is Moses saying, but it's kind of like, after you see that I will annihilate them from before you, right? It's imagine if God would, would say, but after you see that I'm getting rid of them, you ought to consider why these people were exterminated. And what's the answer? Because of their corrupt actions that were in their hands. They, in other words, that they had choice about uncommitted. Accordingly, therefore, you shall not act likewise, lest others come and exterminate you. By the way, oh, I know what I wanted to mention before. Oh, Donna, thanks for the link. I'm going to check it out. Um, I know what I wanted to mention. Remember the story of the binding of Isaac? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So God tells Abraham, take your son and, and offer him as a sacrifice. This was something that all of the other nations were doing. Human sacrifice, child sacrifice. And Abraham's like, I didn't think this was us, but okay. And then God, the last second, the message comes from God saying, no. I didn't say to actually kill him. I said, bring him up as an offering. Put him on the altar, but don't touch him. Now that he's been on, put on the altar, take him down. So it seems like an elaborate ruse. Like, what's the point? Like, if he wasn't meant to be actually sacrificed, then what was the, what was the whole thing? 
So typically we understand that as a test. It was a test of faith. Would he be willing to kill his own son for God? Which is a a little bit of a weird test. It's like, (laughs) we should never be put under such tests, right? Or put others under such tests. How much do you love me? Are you willing to? I mean, that's like a a bit of a, a bit of a extreme test. But another way to look at it, not an exclusion, not, not uh, you know, an exclusion to this way of looking at it, but another way to look at it is that it's a message. It's messaging. It's a dramatic form of instructing us, and Abraham first, but also us, that God does not want human sacrifice. God does not want child sacrifice. Right? Everyone else was doing it. And God says, do it for me. And Abraham says, okay. And then God says, no, what do you thought I was serious? I mean, come on. I didn't say to actually kill him. I said, bring him up, take him down. There's no place for human sacrifice in Judaism. There's no place for child sacrifice in Judaism. It's not a thing that we do. So it's, it's, it's not what God wants. It's what human beings have conjured up, you know, in their, in, because human beings are sometimes, I don't know, what's a nice way to say it? Meshuggah or... Um, Miss, um, misguided. misguided. Yeah, thank you. That's what I was looking for. Mis- like severely misguided. So people come up with all sorts of things. Horrific things. Barbaric things. Um, but God tells Abraham and then tells us that that's, that doesn't have a place in Judaism. And Moses tells his people, surely before he passes away, don't inquire after their ways of worship. Their ways of worship are not pure. Their ways of worship are corrupt and misguided. And horrific. Not a good human rights, um, uh, what's it called again? Not a good human rights record for those forms of pagan worship. So don't run after those societies. What are we missing? What haven't we seen? You're not missing anything. Let's go back inside. Let's go to the next chapter. Okay, we're going to hide Rashi and now go to chapter 13 of Deuteronomy, book of Devar. Everything I command you, that you shall be careful to do it. Okay, I don't know. That's, that's in English, it's, it reads a little awkward, at least to me. Everything I command you, that you shall be careful to do it. Okay, something like that. Basically saying whatever, I, whatever, whatever mitzvot you, you get, be careful to do them in the right way. Once again, we have this teaching. We've had it in a previous portion as well. You shall neither add to it nor subtract from it. And a person might think, well, subtracting makes sense. But what, what's wrong with adding? And we said before, once you start adding, you'll start subtracting. Because adding means I already have an opinion as to what God wants. And already I'm the, I'm, I'm the architect. If I'm the architect, I can add and I'll also end up subtracting. So just don't, don't, don't get too uh, creative here. You know, you have Hashem's laws, Hashem's will. That's what we should be doing. Let's continue. Take a look at this. If there will arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of, dream, of a dream, and he gives you a sign or a wonder. So let's say somebody gets up and proclaims themselves to be a prophet, a dreamer, an oracle, a shaman, whatever you want to call it, and then performs a miracle, gives you a sign or a wonder says, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And then verse number three, and the sign or the wonder of which he spoke to you happens 
Oh my gosh, this guy predicted what's going to happen. Ooh, it's a sign. It's a miracle. And then he says, let us go up after other gods, which you have not known, and let us worship them. Okay, so, my, so Moses tells the people, I'm, I'm out in a few days or in a few weeks. But what happens if at some point in your history, some person's going to get up there and say, I'm a prophet. God spoke to me to prove it. Here are some miracles that I'll do. And then says, you know what God told me? We shall worship idols now. Moses says, you should know. I'm telling you in advance. You don't need to wonder, hmm, should we listen? Should we not listen? Legit, not legit? I'm telling you now. You shall not heed the words of that prophet or that dreamer of a dream. Don't listen. For the Lord your God... Oh, in other words, this guy is a fraud. Not a legitimate prophet. Not a kosher prophet. So why then did he have the ability to, to predict the future or to perform some sort of miracle? Oh, why did God give that person powers to potentially mislead us? It's a test. For the Lord your God is testing you. That's the key word. It's a test. To know whether you really love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So what's happening here is, Moses says, is that at some point God's going to test you and say, okay, well, as long as you don't have any other suggestions, of course you're going to just serve me and, 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 and you know, do this thing called Judaism. But what happens if somebody gets up there very persuasively and says, you know what, God told me we need to have this other path, this other, this other angle on this. What are you going to do? Are you going to follow the new, the, new, the new idea or are you going to stay true to your tradition? Moses says, stay true to your tradition. And even if that person shows a sign or a wonder, it's a test. That's why, that's why that person has the ability to show a sign or a wonder. Because if somebody got up there and said, I have no proof, I have no, I have no um, special abilities, but I just, I'm suggesting that we all abandon ship. Who's going to follow that? It's a very weak movement. A movement is enhanced with some sort of wonder or miracle. And so Moses is saying, God will allow that person to do a miracle. And make it successful in order to provide a test. And what, where should we go when we have the test? Here we go, verse 5. You shall follow the Lord your God. Stay, stay on the path. Fear Him. Be in awe of Him. Keep His commandments. Heed His voice. Worship Him and cleave to Him. Beautiful phrases here. Follow, the, the verbs are follow or the action steps when it comes to God. Follow. Fear, keep, commandments, listen to the voice, worship, and cleave. Those are, stick with God, right? Cleave to God, stick with God. This is going to be, this is your path. And that prophet or that dreamer of a dream, yeah, what about that guy who got up there and falsely claimed that, you know, I have this vision. I have, so that prophet or dreamer of a dream shall be put to death. It's a capital crime. Well, idol worship in general is a capital crime, but enticing others to idol worship is also a capital crime because he spoke falsehood about the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and who redeemed you from the house of bondage. And this guy, he tried to lead you astray from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to go. So shall you clear away the evil from your midst, get rid of the prophet or the dreamer, and 
the evil, that source of evil and that, that source of somebody trying to pull you, pull you in will be, um, will be cleared away. It's interesting. I think it's interesting. Recently in the news, in Israel, did anybody hear about this? There was a, a fellow who was masquerading as a rabbi. Did you hear about this? There was a fellow in Israel pretending to be a rabbi who wasn't actually a rabbi, who was a missionary trying to get people to convert out of the faith. And that was not a cool thing to do. It's not, not a cool thing to, in general, to try to schlep someone away from their religion. Like, what's, uh, we don't do that, right? No, Jews, Jews don't proselytize and say, hey, everyone needs to be Jewish. If you want to be Jewish, great. But there's no, there's no mitzvah to, like, pull everybody in. And it's not appreciated when, when it's done the other way around. You know, this is something that unfortunately has been part of our, of our history for, for, so, for so long. You know, part of our history has been others trying to force the Judaism out of us. Um, but here was an attempt of somebody to pretend to be Jewish, pretend to be a rabbi, pretend to have a synagogue. I mean, actually had a synagogue, but pretend that it's, a, it's an authentic synagogue. And, you know, sneak in some words and some ideas to try to recruit. This person was caught and then ultimately kind of, you know, evicted from, from, the, from the city and from, you know, from the community. But it's a problem. I mean, obviously today there's no, I know we just literally read, read a verse about that being a capital, a capital crime, at least to a certain extent. But obviously today that's not a thing. But... Nonetheless, the idea of eradicating the evil from, from the midst, at least saying, you know, you're, no, you're not welcome here to do that in our community, that's something that certainly was, uh, was important to do. Now, what if they don't want to leave? And what if this, that, or the other? Okay, that's something else. But, but in this case, once the person was exposed as a fraud, you know, not, an, not a legitimate rabbi, then, you know, it, it, it pretty, pretty soon they had no more, no more constituents, you know. Anyway. Anybody, did anybody see that on the news? Anybody familiar with that story? No. Okay. All right. Unfortunately, it happened, and, and it's not the first time, unfortunately, that it happened. Back inside. If, here we go, if your brother. Jews, yes. I'm sorry. Jews for Jesus was very difficult in New York, you know, because they would be yeah. around. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So it's kind of like. You know, that's at least it's not pretending to be something, you know, it's um, but it's still proselytizing. And you should know um, they're very active, even in very strong communities like Crown Heights. People get on their, you know, they I guess they choose every so often to like, you know, blanket the neighborhood with, you know, materials. But they'll like drop books and pamphlets and letters off at, you know, every address in, in, in Crown Heights or in Borough Park or in these neighborhoods. And it's very unfortunate. I mean, this, this notion of you need to be this religion or else you will not be saved. You will be eternally damned. It's like, we got, we got to get over that. I mean, at some point, I mean, it's, 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 so, it's, so, it's crazy that this is still a narrative in 2021. I mean, it's like Judaism is so progressive on the matter. Jews have a unique path. Everyone has their path. Jews connect through 630 mitzvot and everyone connects with their, with their path and their way. There's no reason to, to hate the other, 
to kill the other, to beat up the other, to force them to convert to your religion. I mean, the whole thing is Meshuggah. Anyway, getting back to... Um, but yeah, you know, essentially, if, if Jews for J was like, you know, we believe in something. Okay. All right. Sure. That's your belief. But, but that's not the agenda. The agenda is to, to recruit. Well, what's with the recruiting, right? It's hurtful. It's hurtful because yeah, something you know. I felt, I felt it was an insult because they're degrade, you know, denying me. You're not good the way you are. You can only be good or saved or whatever if you exactly. It's like right. The underlying message is you are yeah, and 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 that's not only underlying. It's in some. I'm not saying Jews for J, but in some circles. Some religions, it's the overt message. It's like you are damned if you if you don't. I mean, seriously, right? Like, Judaism is way ahead of this of this game. Now, back over here. If your brother, the son of your mother, again, if your brother, the son of your mother, if your brother, son of your mother, tempts you in secret. Or your son or your daughter, the wife of your embrace. It's mm-hmm. an interesting phrase. Or your friend who is as your own soul. In other words, friend, family, whatever. If they say to you, let us go and worship other gods, which neither you nor your forefathers have known. Let's go and experiment with idolatry. There's an interesting phrase here. Um, let's go and worship other gods which neither you nor your forefathers have known. Why is it important that, the, that our forefathers haven't known these idols? I once, I once heard a very interesting angle on this. You know, sometimes this is part of why it's exciting. It's exciting because we've never tried it before. Not only that, our parents haven't tried it before. So let's try it. Let's try it because, you know, every generation wants to be different than their parents. Every generation wants to discover something new. That's the whole. That's the whole way you know generations work. It's children reject their parents and they want to forge their own path. And so that's part of the part of the part of the allure of idolatry. At some point in time, Moses says might be that a person might turn to their fellow, to their friend or family member, and say, "Let's try something that the the old fogies didn't know about or didn't try." I heard this new thing is trending. It's called TikTok. No, I'm kidding. I heard, right, there's this new thing that's going on. Let's try it. Let's, yeah, let's, uh, let's check it out. <laughs> right. No, the older generation, they don't know about it, but we're going to try it. And that makes it more exciting. What's more exciting is that we don't know about it or it's not been tried. So let's jump back in to the text. Let me reshare my screen. So... Um, I think I don't know why it why the quotation ends over here in verse seven. I think it continues. Right? The the person, let's say somebody comes to you, a family member or friend, and says, Let's go and worship other gods which neither you nor your forefathers have known. What type of other gods? Of the gods of the peoples around you. The idols, pagan worship. Whether near to you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. So the Torah says, You shall not desire him. In other words, don't be attracted to this message and you shall not hearken to him and don't listen to the suggestion. Neither shall you pity him. 
have mercy upon him nor shield him. But you shall surely kill him. Now, I know this sounds harsh after I just presented everything as, you know, loving and tolerant. The point is like this. We're not trying to, to, to force anything out of anyone else. But someone comes into our ranks and says, you need to do this or you should try this. That's it. Even if it comes from within, it is punishable. Again, we don't do, obviously not today, but back in the day, this was a form of a capital crime. You shall surely kill him. It's, it's not unlike in countries, the idea of treason being a capital crime, right? High treason. This is like high treason. This is treasonous for, for, for Judaism. So it's, it's, it's liable for the death penalty. Your hand shall be the first against him to put him to death. And afterwards, the hand of all the people. Okay, let's continue. Verse 11, you shall stone him with stones so that he dies. So the, the, the way, the method of, of, of capital punishment here is stoning. Because he sought to, to lead you astray from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And all Israel shall listen in fear. Yishmu run. They should listen and pay attention. And they shall no longer, in other words, this will not just be a punishment for the individual, but this will be a message for others. And they shall no longer do any evil such as this in your midst. Okay, so that's the case. So we spoke about the case of the false prophet. We spoke about the case of the, the one who tries to convince you by saying, hey, let's try this. Come with me. Let's go try this together. Now we're going to talk about the Irni Dachas. That's a city that flips to idolatry. Here we go. Verse 13. If you, hear, if you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell therein. So it's basically one of the Jewish cities in Israel. If you hear about them saying, unfaithful men have gone forth from among you and have led the inhabitants of their city astray, saying, let us go and worship other gods which you have not known. So let's say this happens. Let's say it happens that you hear the rumor the word gets out that a whole city, pretty much, has gone after idolatry, a Jewish city. Then you shall inquire, investigate, and ask thoroughly. By the way, this is a message for all judges in all capital cases. You have to inquire, you have to investigate, you have to ask thoroughly. And this is the Talmud derives many laws from this when it comes to interrogating witnesses and how the judges need to like make sure that they know the story and that the judge that the witnesses are being um, um, authentic and honest, etc. So you should do the full investigation and behold, let's say you do it and it's true. The matter is certain that such abomination has been committed in your midst. What happens if you do the investigation and it turns out, yeah, this city of Jews in Israel has turned to idolatry. So we talked about an individual prophet who tries to convince people or an individual individual who goes ahead and says, you know, hey, come, let's serve idols. We spoke about those cases. What about a whole city? The Torah says, verse 16, you shall surely strike down the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword. 
destroy it with all that is in it and its livestock with the edge of the sword. Basically, all the inhabitants of the city are put to death. And you shall collect all its spoil in the midst of its open square and burn with fire the city and all its spoil. Completely. For the Lord your God. For the Lord your God. And it shall be a heap of destruction forever. Never to be rebuilt. Very, very extreme. It's an extreme scenario. I would, I wonder, I doubt that this ever happened. But what we have, and maybe it happened once or whatever, but this certainly is not something that would be prevalent. But again, what's the scenario? Everybody turns to idol worship. And the whole city has turned away from, from, from Judaism, from God. So the law is capital punishment for the people and all the possessions and really the whole city burned to the ground, never to be rebuilt again. You leave it as a remembrance, as a, as a loss. You don't rebuild it. That is as the Torah prescribes. And nothing, here we go, look at this, and nothing that is doomed to destruction shall cling to your hand. In other words, don't rescue anything from the pile of destruction. You're like, oh, wait, hold on. All the possessions are being burned. That looks like a nice couch. Let me, let me rescue that sofa. It'll look good in my, dining, in my living room. No, nothing that is doomed to destruction shall cling to your hand. Don't take anything from that pile so that the Lord may return it from his fierce wrath and grant you compassion and be compassionate with you and multiply you as he swore to your forefathers. Stay far away from anything associated with that and then Hashem will bless you. For you shall hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all His commandments which I command you this day to do that, that which is proper in the eyes of the Lord your God. Do what is proper in God's eyes and things will be okay. Let's take a look at some Rashi's here. So I said before, I said last time that adding to the mitzvot would be five chapters of the tefillin instead of four, or five species of the lulav instead of four, or resetting four blessings instead of three for the priestly blessing. Okay, so here we go. Um, the prophet is showing the sign. All right. Miracles are happening as a test. Um, I'm looking here to see if there's any details that I'd like to add. Give me a second. Here we go. It says, if your brother tempts you in secret, does that mean only in secret? What happens if somebody gets up in public? Same law, same capital crime. Scripture, so Rashi explains why the Torah uses the secret, the, the guy who's trying to do this secretly um, as the template. Scripture speaks of what commonly occurs. In other words, Scripture is using the most common example of this. But it does not exclude the other case, i.e. one who entices publicly. Why? For usually the one who entices speaks clande clandestinely. Clandestinely. Whatever, however you pronounce it. Clandestinely. Right? Usually the one who's trying to say, hey, let's go serve idols is not putting an ad on Facebook. It's usually, you know, on the download. 
But if some, but anyone who does this would be liable for death. Similarly, Solomon, describing an episode of enticement, says, in the twilight, in the evening time, in the blackness of night, in the darkness, typically you and I, well, typically things come out at night, right? Uh, secret ideas and, and, and secret uh, nefarious, nefarious suggestions typically come out at night. Um, okay, let's take a look at some other Rashis here. So it says, the person is suggesting to worship the gods of the people around you, whether near or far, or from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. So um, Rashi says, why does scripture specify gods that are near or far? Rather, this is what scripture says, through knowing the character of those gods close to you, you learn the character of those far from you. Just as those close to you are devoid of substance, so are those far from you devoid of substance. It's a very powerful idea. He says, so what a person might say, I want to experiment. I want to explore. I know that the local idolatry is Baba Mises, but maybe somewhere, maybe if I travel across the world, maybe I'll come to a place that has a good pagan idolatrous uh, situation going on. Let me go to the Far East. Let me go here. Right? I know this stuff here. I know having a little statue to bow down to is meaningless. But maybe somewhere far, maybe there's something, some truth to it. Rashi says, just use some logic. If the stuff here is a Baba Misa, the stuff there is going to be a Baba Misa. Right? If it's not authentic, it's not your tradition, that's it. It's not authentic. Right? So knowing the character of the gods close to you, you can learn about the character of those far from you, and thus you don't need to pursue it. What does it mean from one another to the other? Rashi says refers to the sun, moon, and the stars, which extend from one end of the world to the other, i.e. a person who says, I want to worship what I know, or sorry, not what I know, but the stuff close to me, or the stuff far from me, or the bodies in heaven. Either way, that is the enticement. And the message here is, and the, the Moses' warning is, don't listen to it. Okay. You shall feel, Rashi says, you shall feel no longing towards him. Do not love him. So since it says the overriding mitzvah is you shall love your fellow as yourself, it's necessary to tell us that this person, however, you shall not love. In other words, love your fellow as yourself means when they're acting like a... Yeah, no. As yourself, you know, when, when you're on the same page. But someone who says, serve idols, it's a capital crime. Do not hearken to him when he pleads for his life. Right? Don't pardon him. And this will be also a sign for others. Okay, let's continue in, in the Rashi's. Um, Okay, it, Rashi says, um, it, the Torah says, your hand shall be the first against him to put him to death. What does that mean? It means the one who is tempted to idolatry by this person has the duty to put him to death. So they have the first obligation. However, if he did not die by his hand, he must die by the hand of others, as is stated, and afterwards the hand of, of the people. So first and foremost, the one who this guy was trying to entice, when he said to his friend, hey, come with your idols, so that fellow is the one 
who should ideally mete out justice, but otherwise it's the whole community. Okay. Um, some, some really great Rashis. By the way, I just want to point out this. Remember I told you that there needs to be an, an inquiry and investigation and whatever into just a, any case, but certainly a capital case, you have to make sure that it's legit. You hear, oh, there's a city that served idols. One second, time out. Is it true? Is it not true? Who did? Who didn't? How bad? How not bad? So I just want to skip to the end of this Rashi where he quotes from the Talmud and says, the judges would ask witnesses these seven questions. Number one. In what Shemitah cycle was the crime committed? In what year? Number two, in what year? Three, in what month? Four, in what day of the month? Five, on what day of the week? Six, in what hour? Seven, in what place? Those are the basic questions, basically time and place questions. But, it, but beyond that, the, the witnesses get, get interrogated, in any case really, witnesses get interrogated incredibly um, diligently by the judges themselves, not by counsel, Right? where each side interviews their own witnesses and then you know, makes an argument based on that. These are judges trying to ascertain the truth. They go straight to the witnesses and they question the witnesses directly. Um, that's the way it is in Jewish law. Let's see. Um, okay. God does not like idol worship. That is for sure. God does not like idol worship. Certainly not when Jewish people are serving idols. I think that's it for today. Oh, I just see Joy said she had to go. Okay, all right, that's it for today. So what's the moral of the story? Not every opportunity that presents itself is a good opportunity. Not every miracle or sign or wonder that happens is a sign or an indication that that is the truth. And not every suggestion, you know, by a friend or even a family member is necessarily healthy. We have to use our minds. We have to use our seichel. We have to use our best judgment to realize what is good for us, what's not good for us, and um, and 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 live accordingly. Because otherwise, we'll be too persuaded by, you know, by what's going on around us. So it's important that we be diligent. Again, just because a prophet comes along and does a miracle and says, "Hey, I have a vision. I have a communication," doesn't mean it's true. Yes, that person may have some powers, but it could be God has given them the powers just to make it that much more enticing. But that doesn't mean that we should be doing it. It means that we should be rejecting it. So just the, the life guidance from this that we can apply to many situations. Just because it's there, just because it seems like, well, why wouldn't it be meant for me if it worked out just like this? If we know that it's wrong, then it's, then it's wrong. Right? Just because it happened to be to work out in this way. Like the example that I always give. A person could say, oh, I needed money. I walked into the store and, and the clerk left the cash register open. And by divine providence, it's the exact amount of money that I need. Must be Hashem is sending me a message, go steal from the cash register. No, that's not the message. The message is you want to, but don't. Because if you didn't have the opportunity, you don't get credit for not doing it. You didn't have the opportunity. But when you have the opportunity and you can convince yourself, oh, it's perfect, it all lined up, and you still hold yourself back from doing it, that's a sign of true ownership over choice and a true commitment to the right choice. All right. Is it 
yeah. that you know that it, including within family, you know, that's probably the toughest, you know? Yeah. That's for sure the know, toughest. Yeah. One knows oneself, you yeah. know, the best still. Yeah. You know? Right. So we know what's, and it doesn't mean that we should, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to get negative. It's just, no, thank you. I got, I got, I got, I got my thing. The point is that not every opportunity that presents itself means that we should take it, right? Like Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it, right? It's Yogi Berra. It's a Yogi Berraism. Anyway, so I hope, I hope this makes sense. Sometimes take the, right, the right side of the fork. Right. Oh, that's what we did learn. Yes, always, always the right side. So what's the message? What's the moral of the story? Sometimes life gives us tests. And the message is not to engage, it's to disengage. And that's okay also. It's good to disengage. We have our path. We don't need to be thrown askew or schlepped into any sort of, you know, foreign ideals or ideologies. We're good. We have what we have. We have our connection. We have our path. And there you go. And, and, we, and we, need, we need this, uh, this respect. Yeah. I looked up about the Chitsunia. Yes. And you're, it is true. I mean, it's not going to be on the link that I sent you because that's the tourist site, so they're not going to put anything right. not positive. But I saw scientific articles that you're right about the story that you heard. Yes, there was some sac human sacrifice. Yeah, my understanding, again, this is based on what somebody told me that they were Googling while they were walking up and then they found this and they're like, I don't even know if I want to be here anymore. Basically, they would push people down the stairs or it was made like a pyramid or down this, whatever it was. And then they, were, they would throw the bodies into the river and, and then it, it ended up, did you read that part? That it ended up creating disease in the community? I mean, like, talk about shooting yourself in, the, in, in your own foot, but whatever. Um, I, and, I, was, I mean, it's the, biggest, it's the biggest tourist destination of that part of Mexico. It's crazy. And it's, <laughs> it's, crazy. Ste and it's steeped in this very dark very dark situation. Anyway, my point is not to criticize or whatever. It's just to, to bring out um, a bit of a, a context to what Moses says. He tells the people, you don't need to run after any other stuff because they're doing things that you don't even want to be doing, that Hashem does not want you to do. They're doing human sacrifice, child sacrifice. And I said anecdotally, by the way, even this place in Mexico... They were doing human sacrifice. That's another point that you don't even know at face value. At face value, you see this marvel of architecture. And then if you don't investigate what's really happening behind the scenes. And that's an excellent point. Thank you for adding that because it does tie into what Moses says, which is that once you start poking, you might, you might, be too, you might get too, too schlepped into it. You might get too caught up into it. So it's better to say, look, Here's the deal. They have a temple, beautiful, Zaygazunt, it's wonderful. I got my own thing. I don't need to like start looking anywhere else. I got, I got my own thing. Anyway, how fortunate we are to have what we have. We have Torah. We have this incredible book of wisdom and this incredible code of law that we call Torah and mitzvot. And let's, uh, let's, celebrate, let's celebrate what we have. All right, that's the theme of today. Not adding, not subtracting, not getting convinced of anything. We have what we have. All right, my friends, it's great to see you tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. Um, any other announcements? No, that's about it. 
Stay tuned for more, more fun announcements and some more opportunities that we'll be announcing in the next few days. But otherwise, have a wonderful day. And I'm signing off. We'll see you guys. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Donna. Bye, Ray. See you guys. Take care, everybody.